Recovery Elevator. This is episode 280. It definitely was kind of a shame spiral because you try to stop and then you can't and you feel bad, but then alcohol makes you feel better. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator podcast. My name is Odette Kressler. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, we've got Hannah. Hannah took her last drink on April 16th, 2020. She's from Las Vegas, and I can't wait for you all to hear her story. Also, I wanted to give you all a little update. Paul just added a new free guided meditation on the homepage of recoveryelevator.com, and this one specifically is to assist you with cravings. I don't know if you guys all know this, but science shows that cravings have a lifespan of 20 minutes, and this 20-minute meditation will help you move some uncomfortable energies. I really think you'll love it. The music is amazing, and the prompts are very helpful for when you're experiencing a craving. To listen to it, just go to the homepage of recoveryelevator.com. That's recoveryelevator.com. Enter your email address, and you'll get this meditation and others instantly to your inbox for free. All right, amigos. Let's get started. It is Monday, June 29th, and I may or may not be onto something here when I say that many listeners out there are starting to think about the 4th of July and what the game plan is to stay away from the booze during this long weekend. Whether this is your first alcohol-free 4th of July or you've done this numerous times, I think it's safe to say that for all of us, including people that may not struggle with alcohol, this upcoming holiday will feel like a first since we're still in this pandemic. Many of us are still at home, isolated from friends and family, parties have been postponed, trips have been canceled, and we've all just been recalibrating for a couple of months. So I was thinking about this and I was wondering how can we leverage the current state of the world and this pandemic with our attempts at not drinking this upcoming holiday weekend. I'm from Mexico. Fourth of July celebrations, barbecues, and shenanigans that are revolving around this state were completely new to me when I moved to the States around 10 years ago. So you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I've noticed there's a common denominator that includes a few things for this holiday. There is guacamole, lots of guacamole at every Fourth of July party, burgers or some sort of food thrown out on the grill, an appetizer table, most likely filled with every flavor of chip you can imagine. There's star-spangled banner decorated muffins, fireworks, your favorite friends and family, and there's booze. There's lots and lots of booze. And with the booze comes a permission slip for everybody. The permission slip says that you can start drinking at whatever time you'd like and nobody else is going to judge you. Am I right or was this just my own experience before I stopped drinking? You guys are going to have to let me know. So naturally, if you're trying to quit drinking, this day can be a bit or very triggering. And what I mean by leveraging the current state of the pandemic is that if you live in a place where large gatherings aren't yet recommended, chances are your plans for this weekend already look different than what they did last year. Maybe instead of attending a party with 20 of your favorite friends, you will just be grilling out with your family or a family and a couple of few extra friends from a distance. Maybe it'll be so different from what you're used to in the past 
that not drinking will not feel like a huge boulder that you have to lift. Maybe having this new blank slate around the celebration can provide you with a little boost of energy and confidence in your decision to not drink this weekend. I remember the first year I decided to not drink on the 4th of July. I went to the same house I had been to in the last couple of years. I saw in front of me the same food spread, the same people, and I think I even wore the same American flag overalls that I own. The only thing that was different was that I really, 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 really wanted to not drink. At moments, it was hard. If I'm being honest, it was very hard. Rewriting a memory with a different ending takes work. I remember going back to the appetizer table many times for another serving of chips. I just needed to keep my hands busy to distract from focusing on how everyone else was having a beer or a glass of cold wine. This journey is messy, and if I'm being honest... At the end of the day, I was overly full, thirsty from all the salty chips, and I just felt a little blah. It was messy, but I did it. I didn't drink. What I'm trying to get to is that sometimes our first time isn't perfect. Forget perfect. Sometimes it isn't even that fun. I mean, can you remember the first time you tried to ride your bike without training wheels? Or the first time you tried to surf? Oh yeah, I did that, and I almost drowned. Don't worry. I clearly made it out. What I want to say is just, first times are messy, and that is okay. Please be patient with yourself this weekend. And in efforts to provide practical advice and not just leave this at a story and a pep talk, here are a few things I think we can all do to protect our efforts and our decision to not drink this upcoming 4th of July. Numero uno, number one, wherever you celebrate, bring your beverages. And I'm not saying bring your LaCroix. Don't just show up with sparkling water to Uncle Phil's barbecue. Bring it. I mean, bring your A game of NA beverages to the party. Because you guys, I'm not sure about you all, but I drink sparkling water pretty much every single day now. So make it special. Make it feel different. Go bananas. Buy yourself every flavor of kombucha or every flavor of Coca-Cola if that's what you're into. Treat yourself. Number two, for the love of your hard work, Tell someone that you don't want to drink on the 4th. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to armor up with an extra layer of accountability. You can do this. Number three, let yourself have fun. But if it's not that fun, then accept your mood for what it is and just know that you can always try again. Don't have expectations of how you're going to be feeling because you actually never know how you're going to be feeling. Number four, have one just one goal for the day. Don't drink. Don't have all of these other goals like only eat one cookie or be the best host or make a new best friend at the party. Keep it simple. Stay focused on one goal. And the last one I have for you today, number five, leave if you're uncomfortable. You don't have to stay. I've had more than one social event where I decide to call it quits and leave before I had planned. That's totally okay. All right, eso es todo. I really hope you found some of this useful. If you have any more tips or things that have really worked well for you in the past, feel free to reach out to me and email me at odette at recoveryelevator.com. And before we hear from Hannah, let's hear from my favorite resource on this journey, Cafe RE. When departing from alcohol, here are the two main keys to success. You need a supportive and loving community. And you have to create accountability with others who have the same goal in mind. 
Whether you want to ditch the booze for a month, a year, or are simply sober curious, you'll get both of these on Café RE. These groups are unsearchable on Facebook. What is said can only be seen by members. You get 24-7 access to a group full of others whose priority it is to live an alcohol-free life. These groups are capped at under 400 members to ensure quality connection. In Café RE, you'll find that quitting drinking can be fun. For $19, you get access to the community, get paired with an accountability partner, attend educational online webinars, attend in-person meetups, participate in book club, movie club, and more. You'll also get discounts to retreats and sober travel trips. 15% of monthly fees goes towards our service project where we work with a nonprofit helping those who have been affected by addiction. Another portion goes to in-person meetups. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. Again, use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. I can't wait to see you there. Hannah, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, it's Monday, pretty busy day over here, but hanging in there. And you said you're taking this call from the parking lot. So what do you do for work? I, I'm curious. I am taking this call from the parking lot. I, I was kind of in between jobs. I've been in the medical field for about 10 years, so I'm covering at one of my old positions. I just finished my degree, so I should start teaching in this next school year. So I'm kind of in between just helping out with my previous job right now. Oh, that's awesome. And let's get right yeah. into it with all of this good stuff. When was the last time you had a drink, Hannah? April 16th, 2020, about 45 days ago. And during the pandemic, too, that's a huge accomplishment. Congrats. Yeah, that was an eye-opening part of it, I think, is being at home for so long and drinking at the beginning of it. Yeah, I can imagine a, the Recovery Elevator team and I keep talking about how this is a this is a big moment for us. We say on our meetings that we just want to help people and we're in the business of helping people and how can we help more people? And I feel like with everything going on right now in the world and with the pandemic and our current event, there is such a need for us to step up. And I just want you to know that you're being a part of the solution right now and just by sharing your story. So congrats and I'm happy you decided to come on board. Yeah, that makes me happy to hear this. Um, this podcast has been a great help over the last month and a half. And I did. I was excited to be asked to come on and share my story with so other people. Hopefully, if I can just have one person out there that maybe I relate to and I can help, that would be nice. Thank you once again. Can you give listeners a little background on where you're from? Do you have a family? What are your hobbies? What do you do for a living? I know we touched on that briefly. And what do you do for fun? Yeah, absolutely. So I live in Las Vegas. I am 30 years old. I'll be 31 next week. So maybe when that <laughs> it airs, I'll be a little older. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in between jobs. I hope to start my new career teaching elementary school this upcoming school year. I just finished my degree. So I'm really looking forward to that. And for fun, I mean, right now we can't do much been doing some puzzles and playing some card games at home. I love hiking and being outdoors when we can, trying to get back into that. And there's some good little hikes around Las Vegas. I know most people think of Vegas as Party City, which it is, but we have some good stuff to do on the outskirts. I was in Vegas recently and both my husband and I don't drink and we were like, what can we do? And we had a little bit of a busy schedule. He was there for work, but I'm going to have to let you know next time we do go because we had hiking on our list and we actually never got to it. We didn't know where to start and we did have a great time being sober while being in Vegas, but I know who to call next time. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can show you some great hikes. Awesome. Um, and then, yeah, I've recently gotten back into working out. I mean, I think once you cut the drinking, it, it makes the physical part so much easier. And I'm much more motivated now once I've taken the drinking out of the equation. Yeah, physical activity is such a big stress release for many of us, too. And, and it does get easier once we don't have that fog from the substance, for sure. And how have you been feeling? I mean, I know it's been through the pandemic and, and just, like I said, things being a little wild right now. So how has it been also being early in sobriety? Have you experienced any symptoms coming off or how have you just been feeling this early in? Yes, I actually did, and I'll get to that, I guess, later. I did a, a six-month stint last year, so I kind of knew what to expect. But at the beginning, I was very emotional, no physical withdrawals. I mean, I was drinking a good amount in quarantine, but nothing to where I was physically dependent on it. But a lot of emotional, a lot of crying the first couple days, being mad at myself for starting to drink again when I did have that six months and just kind of ashamed of how far I could have been. But within the last month, like I said, my workouts have gotten a lot better. I've been more proactive in just my days and talking to people and I'm feeling a lot better right now. I feel good. I feel like this outcome will be good and I'm more confident in it and not as emotional. I mean, the emotions are definitely still there, but it's getting a little better as the days go by. Yeah, the emotions definitely come up, but I love normalizing just the initial symptoms that we all get. I feel like sometimes we don't talk about what it feels like that first month or how hard it is and how strenuous it is on our bodies and our emotions. I mean, I feel like I wanted to take a nap three times a day during the first 30 days. And the bodies just need some time to readjust and recalibrate with everything that was happening while we were drinking and, and just kind of being like, okay, we're doing this. And, and also just normalizing the fact that some people have long stints and then drink again and then get back to it. And, and our journeys aren't all linear. And I love that you're just sharing about your past experience as well. What what happened that time? That, did something happen that you decided to drink again? Or can you walk me through a little um, bit about that time? Yeah, absolutely. So last year, around January um, 2019, I said, I'm going to do, you know, dry January. I'd done it a couple of times previously. And I drank by like the 15th decided I need to take some time off. So I did. I, I took time off in February. I made it all the way out until almost September of last year. And I just, I felt like I, I had it. Like they say, I mean, I thought I had it. I was good. I had gone that long without drinking. So I thought I can control it and it wasn't going to be a big thing. And for a little bit, I did. I would just drink occasionally on weekends. And like I said, quarantine hit and it just, it was, became a daily thing. I wasn't drunk every day, but it just, it wasn't healthy. I felt, started feeling depressed and sad all the time. I was probably causing more fights with my boyfriend that didn't need to be just because I, everything was so emotional times 10, those emotions when you're drinking. Yeah. People have been inquiring like how are you and how have you felt during the pandemic and I, my response has been like I just feel like all of our baseline have gone up you know like anxiety there's a new baseline it's higher for everyone stress there's a lot going on and we're all different and not all of us are struggling with addiction and, and some people are normal drinkers but to a certain degree we are one and we are struggling we are looking for some sort of relief and we are 
part of this shared struggle. So I can imagine this being really hard at the beginning and, and kudos to you for getting back on the horse and deciding to give it a shot once again. And let us rewind even a little bit more. So prior to the six month stint that you had, what, what got you on this path? What, can you give us just a little bit background in your history with drinking? Did you start drinking when you were super young? When did you realize alcohol was no longer serving your life? Or what's your history with the substance in itself? Yeah, I started drinking. I took my first drink around 14 or 15. And, and it was, I got, I can remember a couple times during those years getting to the point where I was like throwing up, just trying to hang out with all my friends and drink and partially an escape from home, partially just to fit in and do things with friends. And so it started young. I, I was definitely drinking young. When I was 17, I lost my mother to addiction. And I think that next year was, it was just a blur. I mean, I was drinking, I was doing other things. Um, it definitely became, it became my outlet to kind of escape. And I mean, I was a senior in high school, I knew my life was different from others. And so I think I was just trying to get away from that. And I, I found a friend and an, a, um, an escape through drinking. And that's, I think, when it really started. It sounds like you found some some relief and we all sound like a broken record in re recovery elevator when we say it works until it doesn't. So it looks like it was helping in a way and, and helping you find that comfort. I mean, I can't even imagine having that tragic loss. I'm sorry. And we do find that that companionship in alcohol and, and it works until it doesn't. So did it just kind of escalate from there? I mean, I know you're turning 31 in a week, you said. Walk us through what happened from 18 to where you are now. Yes. Well, let's go back a little more because I was 17 when she passed away. Like I said, that next year was just a blur of party. I ended up living on my own in Las Vegas. So it was, it was a blur of parties and I was the fun house to be at and just a, a crazy amount of drinking that definitely teenagers should not be doing. And Two weeks after I turned 18, I found out I was pregnant. And so I sobered up. I didn't touch anything. I didn't drink caffeine, nothing. I said I was going to give my child a better life than I had. And for a while, I stayed sober. I had my son in 2008. I would drink occasionally. I was breastfeeding at the time, so that kept me off drinking for even a little bit longer. But somewhere maybe a year or so after the trauma and the loss, and then the new young motherhood all set in and I, I turned back to alcohol because it was a good escape. It, it helped me not think of everything. And I, I always took care of my son, but when he went to his dad's, definitely on weekends or days, I did not have him. I was drinking to blackout, I would say, until at least 25. I, I was succeeding. I got a certificate. I was pharmacy tech. I went through some other medical fields. I was succeeding at work and on maybe the outside levels, but I was really struggling and I was using alcohol as an outlet for that. I was I was drinking a lot during the weekend and gosh, it's Las Vegas, so it's a nonstop party. I mean, people can be drunk here at 6 a.m. and it's just nobody thinks anything of it. So I would say probably around 25, that's when the anxiety started. I started to realize like this wasn't healthy. I was sick a lot more than normal. I mean, I was hungover probably in times I shouldn't have been trying to spend time with my son or working. And it really started to have an effect on me. So I think around 25 is when I really realized that 
it wasn't healthy. It was no longer serving me. And that's kind of when I started to say I was going to stop, but that didn't come until even a couple years after that. Time, time definitely goes by really fast from making the decision to feeling like you're in living in the decision. I, I just want to say that I relate. I said to myself so many times that I would stop and I knew in my mind that I wanted to stop it. There's that big cognitive dissonance where consciously we make decisions, but then the subconscious just goes in and betrays us. And it, it, I mean, I don't know what your experience was. You'll have to let me know in the next from 25 till recently, but it's for me, it just fueled a lot of shame feeling like I just couldn't do it. And I knew I wanted to do it, but then I just wasn't arriving So did you have like a rock bottom or what made you take action and be like, okay, I'm not going to drink? Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't say there was a rock bottom. I've driven drunk when I was younger not something I did in the past couple of years. I was, I I started to be more aware of how bad that was, but it definitely, my earlier twenties, I mean, people are drinking and driving and it's awful. It's, it's an awful thing. And I'm ashamed. I wouldn't really say I ever had a rock bottom. I have fallen a couple times over the years and hurt my shoulder or my knee. And I would always play it off like, oh, it's just like I slipped or I was dancing. And when in reality, if I wasn't drunk, I probably would not have hurt myself that night. And so, yeah, just I think slowly realizing it. And I I did every year. I was like, okay, I'm going to do dry January. I'm going to do dry January. And I don't think I actually got it done until I was 28. Yeah. So 2018 was the first time I think I got through a full 30 days and it was hard. I would, I was not a weekday drinker. I was when I was younger, I would have some drinks maybe during the weekday, but if I had my son, I would try not to drink. I would do my work, but he started going to his dad's more in the summer. And I would spend a lot of my time alone, just drinking the bottle of wine was that that outlet for me going back to when I was younger and I just I kept it through all the years Um, so that was hard and it definitely was kind of a shame spiral because you try to stop and then you can't and you feel bad but then alcohol makes you feel better I recently finished reading Alcohol Explained and it just says once the subconscious learns that alcohol is the cure to alcohol like you can never unlearn that I I know if I feel crappy from the alcohol the alcohol is going to help me feel better and it's just just a tape that repeats itself. So I finally did stop. I did my dry January in 2018, felt good, wasn't drinking as much. And then in 2018, November, we went on a cruise out of New Orleans. I was probably drunk the entire 10 days on the cruise and the New Orleans trip. Go into the holidays, of course, another time to drink. I was drunk all through that. And then that's when I hit last year, 2019, I I said, I'm going to do dry January, I need to do it. And I I couldn't even get through the 14 days or whatever it was. I was like, I just ended up drinking and I felt really bad. And I hit February and I did those six months and I felt great. I felt really good. I accomplished a lot. I got through a lot. I mean, I lost almost 20 pounds that I gained back pretty much when I was started drinking again. And yeah, just it took a while to get there. And then... I was at that six months and I thought I had it and I obviously don't. So I'm back here now again. I know I want to stay sober now. It's not a question anymore. When last year, I think going into it, it was the question of if I could do it. And now it's, I know I want to, and I need to, if I want to live the life I want to have. 
Yeah, and it's actually really great knowing that you already have gone a long period of time because you can always dig deep and go back to that strength and and say to yourself, if I already went six months, then I know I can do it again. I know I can get another day in. And I, for me, a lot of the times too, it was like I knew how I would feel around month three or around month two. And the field research, as some of us call it, really helped me kind of catch myself before I knew that I would that I could fall, not just with time, but also with cravings and like that didn't work this time. And it's a learning experience no matter where you're at on this journey. And it sounds like you felt a lot of self-awareness and a lot of confidence along the way. So good job. You're doing a lot of good things, Hannah. And what a good example for your son. Correct me if I'm wrong, but at least here in San Diego, in my social bubble, the drinking culture around parenting, not just motherhood, is so intense. You know, it's almost like you need an outlet and you need drinking to survive this really hard thing, which is parenting. And that's really hard to disengage from. It is. And like I said, I mean, Las Vegas is, I assume this is because I grew up here and this is normal, but uh, most of my friends all drink. I mean, yeah, we'll have friends, we'll have birthday parties for toddlers and there's always drinks and it is, it's a, it's a culture. And that's part of the reason I think it's so hard to get away from because it's such an outside, I mean, you're, you're kind of looking in and, and everybody else's drinking is none of my business. But for me, it's just, it's not serving me anymore. And I need to, I want to live a sober life without alcohol. Yeah. And I think there's also two sides of the story. And sometimes we can't see that other side because like you, I mean, I'm from Mexico and I have, you know, the drunken uncle and like all of this, all of these big parties and they're always revolving around alcohol and And a part of me had always said, like we hear a lot on this podcast is like everyone around me is drinking. The town where I'm from, everyone drinks. And it's just such a big part of culture. And what I found myself noticing now that I'm not drinking is I'll refer back to this trip to Vegas that I told you that my husband and I took is we weren't drinking. And then we woke up the next day after our first night that we got there and we decided to walk. We decided to walk and we went to take a fitness class somewhere and we walked there instead of taking an Uber and I saw people that were clearly still up from the night before and they were still in the same clothes and still with a beer in hand or a mimosa but then I also saw people like my husband and I that were up and at it in their workout clothes and with a bottle of water instead of a drink and who knows if I'm not saying they're sober people but he he pointed it out too you know like there are other people who are up early like us not drinking sometimes we really do think that we are the only ones that are swimming against the tide and that we're the only ones that are not drinking but we've also noticed that at like corporate corporate events or corporate dinners we both work for for corporate and it's like oh mary got a lemonade instead of a vodka tonic you know we notice at these dinners we always think when we're drinking we think everyone else is drinking and it's been really cool for me at least to discover there are other people who also aren't drinking all the time. Yeah, it's. I mean, and I think it, especially in this city, it depends on where you go because we do have those bars that are 24-7 and everything is just 24-7. But I do, I go on those hikes and we go sometimes at 6 a.m. and people are out there. And I know there's another side of things. I just haven't seen a ton of it. And, and that's part of this journey, I hope, is to do more things so we're to meet more people who don't drink at every social event and just to try new things and kind of see that side of things too. 
and to travel without drinking. Yes, it's a whole new list of firsts, right? Your first time traveling, your first holiday, your first birthday. And it feels actually really good to check off those first boxes. So like I said, I'm really happy that you decided to come on and share. And just a curious question. Does your son, he's a little bit older than my kids. Does he, does he ask anything or has he noticed when you're drinking versus when you're not drinking? There were times he hasn't said anything previously about me not drinking. Um, over the last couple of years, I mean, I tried to keep it not in the house as much. Although when quarantine hit, we just had it in the house. We were drinking and my boyfriend's not even a big drinker. He can have half a beer and then not drink the rest. I don't understand how people do that, but <laughs> there are those people. He hasn't said anything about me not drinking, but definitely I can look back and think of times I would be drinking wine while I'm making dinner and he'd be like, I would get a look or we would be out and I got a drink and occasionally he would be like, oh, of course you're going to drink that. So while he never said it, I definitely, I mean, he's 12. I, I He knew, I think he was aware, more aware than probably I would like to admit. So I'm hoping he does see this part too. And it's not something I've talked to him a ton about right now. It it is something in the future, maybe in the next couple of years as he gets older. And I mean, as he gets into that time when kids start to experiment, I, I would like to share my story and my story of growing up with an addicted parent and just watching it and how horrible it can be on your mind and your body and hope that it can help him in a way in the future too. And for sure you're going to just just being that example for him. My dad's in recovery and he he's an alcoholic and he's been sober for almost 11 years and it's really empowering to see that we can change the story for our kids and our future generations and for me that's very motivating and I know this isn't something that works out just with willpower or with motivation but it's definitely always been a great kind of like seed that's been planted in my in my brain of like if my dad could do it and and if it means it's going to be some sort of ripple effect for my kids and their kids and I just try to try to think about that from time to time and yeah just getting better with every generation trying Try and get better with every generation. Yeah. There's definitely no perfect parenting. If if you ever find that manual, please hand it over to me. But I'm just <laughs> we're just trying our best for sure. Yeah. Walk me through a day right now, a day in the life, a day in your recovery. What are tools that you use that help you each day? What works for you? Just walk me through a day in the life of Hannah right now. Yeah. I mean, depending on the the work thing is brand new. They just called me last week and asked if I could help out. So I've been, we just got a Peloton in the past month. So I've been doing a lot of cycling. I try to wake up in the morning um, before work and get a workout in, even if it's, I did a 23 mile ride yesterday. So this morning I just got up and did some like restorative yoga just to wake up early, kind of get myself up and whether it be starting meditation or some kind of workout, just so I'm not rushing out the door and just jumping into my day. I think that that definitely helped me be aware of how I'm feeling that day and be aware of it. And it makes my day better. Come home from work. I, I usually cook if my if not my boyfriend cooks. We've been trying to eat healthier and work at home. We've been playing a lot of poker at home together, just not for money, obviously, just for chips. My boyfriend, my son, and I all play different games. I did a puzzle this weekend, just trying to keep myself busy. I've been reading um, books on tape, just anything to keep keep busy. And I definitely found these podcasts, 
um, a couple different podcasts, some online things that have been helpful for me to read other people's stories. I like looking at Reddit stuff, just, just anything to keep me busy, really, in the time being. That's awesome. I actually have a Peloton and I love Peloton. So I'm going to have to ask you for your username once we're offline. But I, yeah, um, I'm right there. I'm right there on the bike with you every morning, you know, and, and try to, like you said, just become aware of, of my mood and my energy. And I do think exercise helps a ton. So looks like you're doing a lot of good things. How is it being in a relationship? I know you said he doesn't drink a lot, but has it, have you guys gone through any hurdles or obstacles with his drinking or are you pretty open about talking to him about what triggers you and what you want to kind of stir away from has it been easy having these honest conversations with him it's not been the easiest thing for me definitely um that first day I decided I needed to stop drinking was a very emotional day for me I told him I needed to stop. We still had a couple beers, I think, left in the fridge just from previously. I said, you don't need to stop. You're fine. I can handle it. He drank and I got a little emotional about it. It it did. I mean, in that first 24 hours, I did not like it. So I talked to him about that. But he's been very supportive. Like I said, he is not a big drinker himself. He asked me if he's okay to drink. I don't care, but it's nice to have him sometimes be the sober person with me, which he does do, but definitely to each their own on their drinking. And I don't see that he has a problem at all, but it's nice. We don't have alcohol in the house. That's something we've decided not to do for the time being. I mean, maybe if we get a bigger place and we have company, I've been to stuff that's starting to open up. So we've done a couple like little barbecues with friends and they all drink. So there's been like one time he did have a beer, one time he didn't. But I I feel good about even being in those situations so far. And I think that is because of last year. I think I can do that. So especially now, 45, 46 days in, it's, it's not as bad for me as it was those first 24, 48 hours when I was still feeling very shameful and very upset with myself, I think, and kind of projecting that onto him or other people. So thank goodness he took that as well as he did. That's great that you can have support and that you don't have to do this alone and that, and that he knows. And, and sometimes I always think like, well, the other person isn't a mind reader. I have to be more assertive if, if I didn't like this or it made me feel a certain way. But it sounds like you have the support there. And that's ultimately such good help when you're out. Um, we I have a lot of friends in recovery, but sometimes they're not around at these barbecues, like you mentioned. So I need someone close. That's my husband for me right now. But it's always really nice hearing that other people also have that in their relationships versus having to go alone and, and, and just feeling even sometimes more out of place because we're so much in our heads. What's your favorite NA drink? Shifting gears a little bit. Yeah, I... I've been trying all the sparkling waters, but I still love the Pamplemousse LaCroix, which is like the grapefruit flavor, and it's my favorite one. Anything grapefruit. I also really like the Waterloo grapefruit. <laughs> have you tried that brand? Uh, yes, I have. My friend had it, and I tried it. That is a good one. Yeah, I've been just trying all the different different kinds lately. That's definitely my go-to drink is the sparkling water right now. Can you tell us about something that you've learned about yourself during this journey? Yeah, over the years, I have built some coping mechanisms for sure that I think has slowly led me away from alcohol, but there still are some that I need to learn. 
I do still have problems opening up and talking to people, which is partially why I'm doing this, partially why I do try to be more open with my boyfriend or my friends, eventually my more of my family. I think learning that I need to communicate my feelings and not hold them all inside is already really beneficial, but will help me go a lot further than I have in the past. I, I need to learn to, to talk and not mm-hmm. just keep it all in. Well, you're not keeping a lot in right now. So you're, this is a really great start. You should feel very proud. <laughs> is there anything in particular right now that you're excited about? Like any possibilities now that you're living in the decision and you know that you want a life without alcohol? What gets you excited? Yeah, I mean, obviously, my son is going into the preteen teenage stage, just being there for him and being very, being completely there, not dulling myself with any alcohol or anything. That's what I look forward to. And going into this new career teaching, I, I want to be a good teacher. I know it's going to be a, going to be a rough couple of years. And that was part of my quarantine thing is I'm drinking through the beginning of quarantine. Is this how I'm going to spend my summers? And, and that's not the life I want to live. I want to live a sober summer where I can go travel and do things and work out that. So the kids, I mean, my son and then my future students, I think I, I'm most excited to be fully there for. Being fully present. Yes. I know you said early in our conversation how you mentioned one year in particular was a blur for you. And I I definitely had a couple of, of those. And I, in the moment, I obviously wasn't aware that while I was trying to escape maybe the uncomfortable feelings, I was also kind of blurring out potential good memories with, with family and loved ones. And we have to feel that all. And just wanting to be present is such, such a good fuel and motivator. So that, that makes me just really happy to hear because then you actually, you actually remember Duh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Being present, your emotions are controlled. And if something bad does happen, you can look at it with a clear mind instead of just times 10 of the bad emotions that you get, or at least I get when I drink. Yeah, everything is amplified. I have a question and more specifically to knowing that you live in Las Vegas, and it's a party city. Do you get any pushback or do you get, did you get any pushback from maybe close friends when you decided to not drink or when they noticed that you're not engaging in maybe social outings that you were before? Last year when I started, that six months definitely did. This time around, like I said, I've only seen a couple people because of quarantine. Um, I have a couple close friends, one close friend in particular that I've been fully honest with. I've known her pretty much my whole life. There have been a couple people who have said things that but I haven't fully opened up to them to let them know what's going on because we're in a social situation or I haven't it's not something I want to say to a whole group of people at once. So I think just in the moment people do want to drink and they want you to drink with them, but once I let them know what's what's really going on, I, I think that's that is a little more helpful. But it's definitely I mean it's a drinking city I I do have a lot of friends who drink and when you drink you want others to drink with you that's how I was let's go take shots if I'm going to take one you have to take one too peer pressure doesn't end in our teenage years for sure yeah (laughs) okay so we are almost at the rapid fire round but I do have one more question before we step in if you could talk to day one Hannah what would you say to her gosh just wait it out like I had that that image of that six months, I mean, if we're going way back, 
just that I can do it, that life is so much better without alcohol. I mean, I still definitely have my emotions. I have bad days, but I can control it. I can bring it in a little more. I'm fully present, I mean, in all the moments now, which sometimes is more difficult, but it's it's real. It's not blurred out or doled out by alcohol. You're living a real life you're, that you're choosing. I like that. All right. So we've reached it. If you can answer these questions in 30 seconds or less, that would be fabuloso. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, perfect. What is a light bulb moment you've had during this journey? Just how how quickly I can progress without alcohol. Just how quickly my physical fitness gets, how quickly I can get back into reading, and just how many things I can accomplish without alcohol. Perfect. What is a memorable moment sobriety has given you? Just being again in the moment, not being hung over in the morning, being able to get up and make breakfast or spend time with my boyfriend or my son and, and not feeling like I need to stay in bed because I don't feel good and I feel ashamed. I, I wake up without the shame, which yes. is nice. Hungover free mornings. Yes, absolutely. The best. What are some of your favorite resources in recovery? Definitely this podcast. I did just sign up for Cafe RE. I haven't posted on there yet. I've just kind of been looking, but I definitely would like to reach out. Like I said, I would like to start talking to more people who don't drink and just just getting to know a little more people. So that Stop Drinking on Reddit. I've been listening to the other podcast is Sober Happy Hour books, Alcohol Explained, This Naked Mind, just anything really I can get my hands on right now. I'm excited to hear that you joined Cafe RE. I mean, this, the podcast and Cafe RE is how I connected to Recovery Elevator a couple of years ago. So I'll be happy to connect with you on there as well. And it is a great community, total shameless plug. It's, it's a great community. It's a great space. And if you just want to kind of dip your toes in and meet a few people, I just recommend you hop on the next webinar. Whenever you see one pop up, it's a great way to just meet people and not be put on the spot precisely. <laughs> yeah, I will absolutely do that. What parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners who are thinking about ditching the booze? I, I think if you think you have an issue, you probably do. Only Only they can decide. Only you yourself can decide. And it's scary, but it's so much better. Like, it's just better. You feel better mentally. You can reach physical goals so much easier. It, you should take the leap. You should give it a try and, and believe in yourself. And you'll see that it, it can be a lot better. I love that. Yeah. And you, you'll never know unless you try. And you can always go back. So that's great advice. And before we depart, you give listeners your own. You may need to ditch the booze if line. Yeah, absolutely. I did this this past year, earlier in the year. I went to, you may need to ditch the booze. If you go to the store, buy a bottle of wine, pour half of it into the sink so you won't drink it, drink the half a bottle, and then go back to the store and get a bottle and drink that bottle too. Oh, yes. I can relate. <laughs> yeah, trying to moderate and then just spending more money and drinking it anyways. Yes, thank God we can save some money with all of this. Well, I still don't know where all of my money saved according to my tracker is. I'm like, where's all this money that I'm supposed to be saving? <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and sharing your story. I'm really happy that we'll stay connected on Cafe RE and congrats on such a huge accomplishment. I mean, 
you are doing this. You're doing this. I hope you go to bed really proud tonight, knowing that you also shared your story with so many of our listeners. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Take care, okay? Thanks, you too. Bye, Hannah. Bye. That's a wrap, Team RE. Thank you once again for tuning in. And if you're curious and want to know what I'll be bringing to my 4th of July event, it'll most likely be Pink Lady Apple Kombucha by HealthAid, which is probably my favorite brand. I've also been really enjoying the alcohol-free Prosecco by Groovy and for sure a pint or two of Ben & Jerry's American Dream. I want to keep the ball rolling with these little beginning of the week challenges with you all. So if you're up for it, Take a pic of your contribution for this year's 4th of July festivities and share it on your Instagram stories. Tag us at Recovery Elevator so we can share it. We are in this together and together we can go far. Recovery Elevator, stay cool, stay weird, stay safe, and stay healthy. We love you guys. 